Good morning. It is good to be with you guys today. If you're new with us, usually we're watching video preaching via live stream from our North Richland Hills campus. And that will begin again next week. But you chose one lucky Sunday to come and hear the campus pastor here uh, preach live to you. So I'm glad to get this opportunity. And I want to just uh, affirm what Joanna was saying about our equip courses. These are great opportunities for you to grow as a follower of Jesus. And especially starting next Sunday, we have one that's called sharing the gospel one person at a time. That's going to be at this time slot. So you need to come to first service and then attend that class. Uh, but it's my belief that, that you guys are going to be the ones that advance the gospel through your relationships. Uh, I'm not minimizing what's taught from this stage, but it's just the everyday life we share with people and how we walk out our faith that makes the difference. But so often when we think about sharing our faith, uh, we have to give an excuse and uh, we have reasons for why we don't do it. And I don't know about you, but it seems like we've got an excuse for everything. A little bit like the guy I read about in the Northwest that uh, came in late to work and it was his third time that week to be an hour late. And his boss, when he came in said, okay, Toby, what's your excuse this time? And it better be good. And uh, so Toby looked at him, he said, well, he said, my wife wanted to bring me to work today. So we got ready in 10 minutes and she drove me to the harbor. But when we got there, the ferry had already left. And so, uh, Mr. Epstein, I didn't want to let you down. And so I swam across the river. And then I climbed over the mountain to get to a bicycle that I borrowed from somebody. And I rode in these 20 miles through the fields to get here just so I wouldn't let you down. And his boss kind of looked disgusted at him and folded his arms and said, Toby, you're going to have to do better than that. There's no way your wife got ready in 10 minutes. So. Now, if you have complaints with that, I ran it by my daughter before I did it. So, uh, but see, even there, I'm giving you an excuse for the joke I just told because we all have excuses. But here's my thought is that I believe God is going to ask you to do something amazing with him in 2020. And what is your response going to be? Is it going to be yes or is it going to be an excuse? Because we all have excuses. Even our biblical heroes, even heroes like Moses. And I'm going to be spending some time this morning with the story of Moses out of Exodus 3 and 4. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there or we'll put uh, scriptures up as well. But just some context with you, if you're not familiar with Moses, Moses was saved as a baby boy. He was an Israelite by birth, but he was raised uh, in Egypt by Pharaoh's daughter. And as he grew up and became to know more of who he was as an Israelite, at one time he saw an Egyptian abusing an Israelite and he killed the Egyptian. And when he did that, he tried to hide it, but people found out and the Israelites even uh, kind of pointed it out. And so he fled, he left Egypt. And he went out to kind of a desert area where he became really nothing more than a shepherd. And it was during a time when he was watching a flock that God spoke to him. And God chose to speak to him through a burning bush, 
a bush that was on fire, but yet not being consumed by that fire. And God gave him a clear call. And that call was that you must lead my people out of Egypt. The call was that he would lead his people out of Egypt. And we read about it in Exodus 3 verse 10, where God says, now go for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt. And you see, this wasn't a call out of the blue because God had seen in Moses leadership capabilities because God will not call us to what he hasn't gifted us for. God equips us and then calls us in those areas that he's equipped us in. And so I was wondering as we think about entering 2020, what will your call be? Moses's was to deliver God's people out of Egypt. But maybe yours will be to confess faith in Jesus Christ this year and to be baptized. Maybe yours will be, as we talked about that equip class, will be sharing your faith with someone. We have next steps that we call them here at the church that are things that we do as we become followers of Jesus. One of those is telling your one, it's sharing your faith. Maybe you're going to be called to start doing something this year. Uh, another one of our steps is that we would give generously. Maybe you'll be called to start tithing. Maybe you'll be called to start serving somewhere. Maybe you'll just be called to start a new job or to start a new relationship or possibly to end a relationship that's become toxic. Or maybe you've got a bad habit in your life that you've known you've needed to stop, but you just haven't. And God may call you this year to stop that. Or possibly your call is just what I would call the everyday availability availability to God's call in your life. And you know what I mean by that? When you feel a prompting of maybe I should stop and help that person. Maybe I should walk across the room and go introduce myself. Those promptings that we get that, that quite often we just give an excuse for not doing. But what will your response be when you hear God's call? Because it's vital. And so God called Moses, and then in verse 11, this was his response. But Moses protested to God, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? You see, earlier in verse 4, when God called to Moses through the burning bush, Moses said, here am I. And now he hears what the job entails, and he says, wait a minute, who am I? You see, what was at first readiness has turned to reluctance. And I think about my life and how I do that so often too. I have all these great intentions to help somebody, to do something different. And then I find out the time and effort it's going to take. And I just start giving excuses. And so you see, when God put this call on Moses's life, Moses gave him five excuses. And each time God responded to that excuse. And so what I'd love to do this morning as we go through these is I'd like to ask you to personalize them. Would you put yourself in Moses' shoes for a little bit today and see if you do these same things with God? And so that first excuse was just, who am I? 
See, I may not use those words, but I use the words, well, I don't think I can do that. Or, God, you've got the wrong person. Who am I? And so God responded to Moses and he said, I will be with you. You see, really, in effect, what God was saying was, you're focusing on the wrong I. Moses is asking, who am I? And God is saying, I will be with you. Focus on me, not on what you can't do. Because you see, Moses' inadequacy was not going to stop God. His ability was not the focus. And his success wouldn't lie in his resources, but God's. And I don't know about you, but this is a struggle for me. Even as I was thinking about my sermon this morning, I woke up early and I'm worrying and I'm like, I'm not going to say the right things and people are going to not like what I'm saying. And really what I heard God say is you're going to be teaching about me being the thing that you need to focus on and you're focusing on you. So God says, I will be with you. And I want you to know that's the most important thing we're going to talk about today. That verse we're going to keep coming back to. But Moses protested. If I go to the people of Israel and I tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? See, Moses' second excuse is, what should I tell them? What should I tell them? See, in reality, kind of what he's saying is, I don't think I can do this. And nobody else is going to think I can do it either. Partly he was thinking this because, remember, he fled Egypt. He was known as a murderer there. And now God is calling him back to his people there. So maybe if we were to put it uh, in our own words, we might say things like this. Well, if they knew my past, they wouldn't listen to me. I don't know enough. I'm not ready yet. I can't answer all their questions. Because see, anytime I think about stepping out and talking to somebody about God, they may have questions that I can't answer. And so I use that as my excuse. But I want you to notice the give and take Moses has with God. Don't miss that in this passage that there's words that are used for Moses that he protested and he pleaded And I don't know about your view of God, but your view of God may be that if you doubt or when you raise questions, that God's just going to slap you down and stop that conversation. But notice that Moses is met with openness, not resistance. And you see, when we ask questions of God, it actually opens him up to be able to reveal more and more of himself to us. He's not threatened by questions. And we shouldn't be either because that's how we grow. But I do want you to realize this. If you think you can ask enough questions and study enough that you'll finally figure God out, you'll never know that much. God's ways are mysterious. We're never going to know everything, but we should keep seeking. And so God replied to Moses in verse 14, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. See, really, God is telling Moses, 
He's pointing back to that who am I question saying, it doesn't matter who you are. I am. I am. And then God continues and he says, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. And don't get lulled to sleep when in scripture names start getting listed. Sometimes I can just check out. But what God is is doing here is he's tying this back to the promise that was made to Abraham. Because every Israelite would know that Abraham was promised to be the father of many nations and his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the sky. And God is saying, if they ask you who I am, tie it back to the promise I made to Abraham because I'm still that God. See, we just sang it just a second ago that God is a promise keeper. You know, one of our next steps is that we would connect with God. And we talk about doing that through reading God's word and through praying. And we don't say that just so we'll feel better. or We can check something off of a list. We say that because to know God's promises, you have to be in his word. Because to know that he's a promise keeper, you need to know what promise he's going to be keeping. And this first promise he's keeping to Moses is, I will be with you. And you see, when we realize God will be with us, it gives us a boldness. Sometime later today or this week, pull out Acts chapter 4. And I'm not going to read any of that passage today, but there's several points in that chapter where the disciples are being threatened or they're being thrown in jail. And yet scripture says they responded with boldness. Not that came from with, from themselves, but from God answering prayers in their life because he's a promise keeper. But Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? So Moses' next excuse is, what if they don't believe me? Maybe in my context, it might be, well, I might fail. If I go out and try this, maybe they're going to ask me something. I don't really have the right credentials. Or possibly one of my favorite excuses, what if something goes wrong? You call me to step out and then I, it goes wrong and I fail. You see, are these legitimate concerns that Moses is bringing up? Or is he just trying to get out of something? See, that is just what I keep thinking. But God is so patient. And notice that he's open to the conversation. Honest dialogue that that we may disagree. We may argue. We may even challenge. But it's done in the context of relationship. And that's what I want you to understand. When you're spending time with God in prayer, in his word, you may ask difficult questions. You may argue with him. You may disagree. But he wants that relationship with you. And so the Lord asked him, what is that in your hand? See, and in his hand was his staff. And God would have him do some miracles by throwing that staff on the ground. He'd have him put his hand inside his cloak and he would do a miracle that way. 
he'd have him pour water out of the river. What God's basically telling him there is, I've got all I need right here. Because God will use the ordinary to do the extraordinary. See, we see this common theme with Gideon, with another one of my heroes from Scripture. Because God called him to a rescue mission as well. We read about it in Judges 6, verse 14. Then the Lord turned to him and he said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Mennonites, Midianites. I am sending you. But Lord Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh and I am the least in my entire family. And the Lord said to him, I will be with you. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? And you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. See, Gideon wants to start reciting all the reasons he can't do it. And God says, all I need is you be available and I'll do it. So let's go back to Moses. His fourth excuse, he says, but Moses pleaded with the Lord. Oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been. And I'm not now, even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue tied and my words get tangled. See, God says that he can use him just as he is. But Moses felt the need to educate God. I don't know if you ever do this. See, don't miss this in this passage. He says, even though you've spoken to me, and I'll add some editorial comments in here. Even though you've spoken to me through a burning bush that is on fire, that's not burning, Even though you've spoken to me that way, God, I've got this little speech impediment. I've got this problem. And I think God can work through that problem, even though Moses' excuse was, I'm not good with words. You know, he's basically saying, I don't have the skills to do the task that you've called me for. And it starts to get a little bit more personal. Because then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak? Hear or do not hear? See or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. If I could just condense it, God's saying, I'm not surprised. I made you. He made Moses and he made him with a speech impediment. As I've been studying this, and this is some of the hard questions that I ask God, uh, those of you that know my health situation, God made me and he made me with Parkinson's disease. He made me that way. He knew what I would have, but he still calls me. And how often do I use that? My own weakness is my excuse. How often do I hide behind my limitations? So we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those that are powerful. 
God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all. And he used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. You see, God doesn't call perfect people to leadership. He calls us just how we are because he made us. And so really, in reality, Moses' ineloquence, his speech impediment, our own weaknesses, they're an asset to God. Because when he does something amazing through us, we can't take the credit. It's to his power and glory. So we thank him. We thank him. As as hard as that is, sometimes I thank God that I have Parkinson's disease. Because it allows me to know him in a different way and for him to work through me in a different way. But then we see the fifth excuse from Moses. He pleaded, Lord, please send anyone else. And that is that fifth excuse, send anyone else. I think in my terminology, I tend to say, oh, someone else will do that. And if I'm just being honest with you guys, I believe this is our number one excuse. I think it's the one that we struggle with the most. And to a degree, I think it boils down to a lordship issue. And there's a little bit of a play on words that's going on with Moses and God. In verse 11, God uh, identifies himself as Yahweh in our Bibles, like in the NIV and the NLT. That's a capitalized Lord. All four letters are Lord. And God's using that term to describe himself Yahweh. But Moses uses a lesser title, Adonai for Lord. And it's a capital L, but it's a small O-R-D. And in a way, he's saying to God, well, I know I said I would go anywhere, but I don't know that I really want to do that. You know, when we baptize people and you confess your faith, we ask, do you want to make Jesus your savior? And the answer is always yes. And then we say, and are you willing to make him Lord of your life? And we say yes, but I wonder if we really do. Or are we like Moses and we just say, I know that you're calling me there, God, but somebody else can do that. And I know when I was a youth minister, when I think of things within the church and and I would put out a call for volunteers, how many people would tell me, I just thought somebody else would volunteer. Or when Joanna talks about, man, teaching makes such a difference in her life to our kids. And you've heard us in church say, man, we need kids teachers. Think somebody else is going to do that. Or we've recently been going through a capital campaign where we're talking about the great things that we think God can do here as we create more space for followers here. And I think there's just so many of us that it's so easy to think, well, somebody else will give. Because I may not have that much to give anyway. You see, just like Moses, we're viewing our call in light of our circumstances. And it's a bad perspective. But we give excuses like, well, I'm too busy. Or it's just not the right time for me right now. And then let's look at how God responded. 
Then the Lord became angry with Moses. All right, he said, what about your brother, Aaron, the Levite? He was going to use Aaron as Moses' spokesperson. But notice that he got angry. In these first four excuses, there was this give and take and, and God challenging him and Moses responding. But it's this fifth excuse, which I think was just Moses' outright refusal to answer the call that pushed God over the edge. But God relents and he agrees to send Aaron. We read that in chapter four, verse 15. Talk to Aaron and put the words in his mouth. I will be with both of you as you speak and I will instruct you both in what to do. So God had called him to be the leader. And even though he was going to bring Aaron, it was going to be Moses that would be leading Aaron he was still going to accomplish what God wanted to accomplish. And as you read the rest of Exodus, you'll see that Aaron speaks less and less and Moses becomes the spokesperson. Really, I think, because if we go to chapter three, verse 12, because of this promise, and God said, you can do it because I will be with you. See, God's saying, you can do it because it's not based on you. It's based on, on me and I've got important work to do and I just need you to be available because you see God cared more about the Israelites being delivered than Moses did and I believe if we look around us God cares more about our world and the deliverance of his people today than we ever will but he wants us to join him he wants us to be available like this story that I saw on ESPN recently. It's about this high school football coach named Keenan Lowe. And he is the high school coach at the Park Rose High School in Portland, Oregon. And he played wide receiver for the University of Oregon. And then he coached in the NFL. But he came back to Portland when his best friend from high school died of a drug overdose. And he said, I needed to get back home and get centered and I needed to help people. And that's where we pick up this story. Keenan helped Park Rose students in another way as an unarmed school security officer. His training included a worst case scenario. As they're saying it, do you think it will ever happen? Never, never in a million years. I get a call to go grab a student and please bring him to our uh, counseling office. So I'm walking towards that classroom. You know, basically as soon as I'm done asking if he's here, the door pops up and uh, that young man was standing right there at the door. First thing I see is, is him open his jacket and him pull a big gun out of it. All the kids just start screaming and then hearing all the desks start to flip over and as they all run out. I remember this girl and she was like, get away from the windows. Everybody get away from the windows now. There's someone out there with a gun. 911, what's the address of your emergency? There's a school shooting. Park Rose High School. Park Rose High School. Here's the call over the walkie. Shooter, shooter. Okay, somebody shot. 
something. I remember the door bust out, boom, you know, because they're kicking the door, the police. She saw a male walk into the classroom with a shotgun when they were in uh, the fine arts building. I just acted. I just went. I just moved forward. This evening, authorities say a man was tackled. He had a gun. It happened at Park Rose High School in Portland, Oregon. The football coach confronting the suspect. People were blowing up our phones for interviews and let's talk to Keenan the hero. And I wanted to say, you don't even know the definition of hero unless you see this footage. Door opens and as soon as it kind of opens, I was able to get the gun away. And then the kid uh, starts to break down. I didn't want to hurt anybody. I didn't want to hurt anybody. That's what he said to me. I just wanted to hurt myself. And he goes on to say, nobody cares about me. And uh, I told him I care about him. I think he needed a hug more than he needed to be tackled to the ground. You know, I told him I was there for a reason. I was there to save him. I love that story. I love that picture. He was there for a reason. He was there to save him. So he said, I acted. I stepped in. I moved forward. And so the question is, is we gonna, are we going to do the same in 2020? Because you see, the, Mos- the promise that God made to Moses is the same one he makes to us. And that promise is, I will be with you. I will be with you. See, I've spent a lot of time today in the Old Testament, but this promise just isn't an Old Testament promise. As Jesus was getting ready to leave his disciples, some of his last words to his disciples in Matthew 28, verse 20, was this, be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I'm with you always. See, when we understand that, as as Jesus got ready to leave, he said, I'm going to leave, but I'm going to come back for you. But until I do, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit to live in you. See, we have that promise. Jesus is going to come back. But when he, until he does, his spirit lives inside of us. And so if we have this confidence that he's coming back and until he does, he lives inside of us, what would keep us from acting on the call that God puts on our life? We have no excuse. And so read this with me in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 21. It is God who enables us along with you to stand firm for Christ. He has commissioned us and he has identified us as his own by placing the Holy Spirit on our hearts as the first installment that guarantees everything he has promised us. Everything he has promised us is guaranteed in your life by the deposit of the Holy Spirit. And here's the deal. God is a promise keeper. He's coming back. He's living in you right now. So Ephesians 1 verse 13, and when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. This spirit is God's guarantee, guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise 
and glorify him. And so church, God is going to ask you to do something big with him in 2020. Will you say yes? How will you respond? Would you pray with me, please? Oh God, we thank you. We thank you for this story of Moses. We thank you, God, that you've put a call on his life to be the deliverer. And then God, you showed him how you would work through him. And God, we believe now that you've given us that same call, God, that that there are lost people all around us. There are hurting people all around us. There are needy people all around us, God. And you're going to call us to do something big with you. God, would you give us the strength and the empowerment through your Holy Spirit not to give you excuses, not to think it all rests on us, not to think, God, that we will be the ones that make it it succeed, but God, that it is in your hands that we would pour ourselves out, that we would be available, God, and that we would hold on to that promise that you will be with us always. So it's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen.